0: I'm Bob Schieffer. And I'm Andrew Schwartz. And these are conversations about the news. We are in the midst of a communications revolution. We have access to more information than any people in history. But are we more informed or just
1: overwhelmed by so much information we can't process it? These conversations are a year-long collaboration of the Bob Schieffer College of Communication at Texas Christian University and the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington.
0: Jake Tapper is our guest this time. He's one of the lead anchors at CNN, moderator of their Sunday talk show. He's won many, many awards over the years, worked at ABC before coming to CNN. He's reported from Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, and uh, has covered big stories domestically, including Hurricane Katrina, as well as the work he's done from Washington. Uh, Jake, welcome. Let's start with your latest big one. You were a part of the CNN team that broke the story about the intelligence agency's briefing President-elect Trump on Russian hacking, a briefing that included uh, this information from non-intelligence sources that claimed the Russians had information that could possibly be used to blackmail Donald Trump. This obviously set off a whirlwind of discussion, and when the uh, website BuzzFeed then published the document itself, it really stirred up a controversy not the least of which came at uh, mr. Trump's recent uh, news conference when he denounced CNN and refused to take questions from uh, CNN reporter Jim Acosta so <laughs> what's the latest news here on all this uh, the latest news uh, first of all let me just say it's great to see
2: you Bob and uh, as a fan uh, well, we miss your your you on Sunday even though I didn't I didn't I don't miss you you beating me uh, every <laughs> Sunday but well um, you're nice to say that. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, the latest news is uh, when we reported this on Tuesday night, it was a team, a team, real team effort. Me, Jim Sciuto, um, Evan Perez, and Carl Bernstein. First time I ever shared a byline with Carl Bernstein, which was uh, always, uh, of course, fun. Not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, and the, uh, the, the thing that uh, we weren't sure about when we, when we uh, reported this um, was we knew that this was in the briefing materials, this two-page synopsis. Uh, of these these charges and allegations that came from a source, not from uh, intelligence, from US intelligence. Um, the one thing we didn't know was, did they present this verbally? Uh, we knew that it was in the materials. We thought that they had pre- presented it verbally, but we had not we were not sure about it on Tuesday night. So we said that in the story. We said this is in the materials, and you know we, we weren't sure if it had been presented verbally. We now know that it was presented verbally. Uh, and we reported uh, yesterday, uh, Thursday, that it was in a pull-aside. FBI Director Comey, uh, after the after all four of the, the briefers met with President-elect Trump and his team, uh, Comey, Brennan, Clapper, and Admiral Mike Rogers, um, there was a separate moment with Comey, FBI Director Comey, and President-elect Trump, in which they talked about this synopsis. I had been told that. Um, and I had one source on that before we broke our story Tuesday, but it, we didn't get a second source or a third source until yesterday. So though that, that is the latest. So uh, he was actually given the material uh,
0: verbally. Why did you not publish the document itself? You obviously had it. We thought a lot about what to say and how to say it and,
2: and what to say. Um, and we decided that what was most important was stick to the facts, stick to what we know, uh, we couldn't corroborate any of the allegations in that um, in those series of memos by the former uh, MI6 agent. Um, not one of them. And some of the stuff was pretty out there. Um, and, you know, a lot of organizations had seen those memos, uh, including CNN. But what made this news was that the intelligence community, the leaders of the intelligence community had presented this to President Obama and to President-elect Trump. Uh, So we felt like it was unfair and incendiary to put the uncorroborated allegations out there. And uh, we should point out that the director of national intelligence, James Clapper, issued a statement um, after our story saying that this was not the work of the intelligence community, the U.S. intelligence community. And they had made no judgment on how reliable the information was. They didn't say it was wrong. They didn't say it was right. They said they had not been able to ascertain it um but that wasn't you know that's not good enough for us we knew that we knew that that's where their what their opinion was of the information and so we decided to stick with what we knew and to and to and to basically report on the the synopsis uh that they included in, in their presentation to president elect trump and president obama and not the underlying document because that underlying document was full of uncorroborated raw you can call it raw intelligence raw information some of it gossip and you know and people who are familiar with The situation. say, you know, there are things in there that are true. I mean, benign things. This person talked to this person. Um, But then there are also things in there
0: that nobody knows if it's true or not. Shortly after you broke this story, uh, BuzzFeed published the document. And uh, uh, the editor, uh, Ben Smith, said uh, he did so uh, in the interest of transparency. He thought that the American people needed to know what people were talking about. And so they published the document. What was your reaction to that? I was upset about that. I was upset that they'd published the a document. And let me just say,
2: first of all, I've known Ben Smith for a long time. I like him a lot. Uh, I think that, but B- BuzzFeed does a lot of really good journalism. Um, they have really, you know, they have excellent reporters there who do sourced stories. Um, this decision really upset me. Um, and uh, I don't think I'm talking out of school because I've said this on air. I thought it was irresponsible. Uh, I conveyed privately to Ben uh, that I thought it was a bad decision. I thought it was a bad decision for a few reasons. One of them is uh, this idea that like, you know, well, we have this information, so we're just going to let the public decide. That's not what we do. That's not our job. We're journalists. We are supposed to suss out what is true, what is not true. And if if we can't ascertain that something is true, then we don't go with it. It doesn't matter if that would be clicks or viewers or whatever. We don't. Um, And there are any number of mistakes that media organizations have made throughout the years, CBS, CNN, ABC, NBC, in which that happened. And uh, it was scandalous and it was and it was inappropriate and it hurt the news organization. Um, So that's one. I thought that it was just that's just not what journalists do. Uh, Two, I knew that this was going to be able to be used as a way to dodge our CNN's solid reporting on this, that there was going to be that any any politician would conflate the two, look at all this crazy stuff, and then you know, say, look at all this crazy stuff, and then not answer any questions about any of it, um, such as, did the intelligence officials present you with this information? What was your response? Is there anything in there that has you concerned, et cetera? I mean, James Clapper said in his statement that part of their job is to also provide information, even stuff they didn't produce, uh, that might have national security implications. Um, Basic that's when he basically confirmed our our report, this two-page synopsis. What national national security implications are there? I mean, that's from the Director of National Intelligence. So I suspected that that uh, President-elect Trump and his team would use this as an effort to to conflate bad journalism with good journalism. I was unfortunately right. And um so I mean those those were the and the the larger theme, and Bob, you and I have talked about this, is bad journalism undermines good journalism. Uh it, it, it people lose faith in us uh when when there's one bad decision uh by by a journalistic enterprise we all get lumped in with that um i you know I'm, i i'm getting accused of doing things in my report that i never did uh, of making charges i i never made uh, of providing information i never did um some of that is you know People doing it for a political reason, I, I think there are probably a lot of people out there who actually think I did those things, and that CNN did those things. We did not. Um, so this is one of the reasons why I think, uh, and I don't want this to be um, the focus of of my feelings about our journalism this week, but this is one of the feelings why I think that the media really needs to get its act together uh, in the Trump era uh, because he is so adversarial with the press, more so than any president, probably since Richard Nixon. Uh, and um, although Bill Clinton was pretty adversarial, people forget. Uh, but but uh, but people, you know, the media really needs to make sure that when we go with something, it's true, it's accurate, it's on it's on target. Uh, and our behavior, people need to watch what they tweet, what they say. You know, we there's a big trust chasm. Uh, and uh, and what what Buzzfeed did,
0: uh, that decision that they made, uh, hurt hurt us. Let me, I mean, I want to get back to Trump and uh, how he uh, reacted to this information, but uh, I want to also talk about the steps you took to make sure that you had this story you thought as correctly as you could get it. I mean, how long have you known about this? How long have you been looking into this? Well, the dossier,
2: I mean, these I put dossier in quotes. I mean, the series of memos has been around for months. Um And a lot of people have seen it and a lot of people have had it. Uh, I'm sure CBS had it. I I, I know CNN had it. Um, and, And people had it and didn't use it, didn't run with it, because none of the information could be run down in any credible way. There was one story in Mother Jones by David Korn in October in which he talked about the existence of it. But even then, that story was fairly circumspect, didn't go into details, et cetera. When this became news was after Friday. Uh, uh, when uh, of the, the day of President-elect Trump's briefing, because that day when CNN learned that some of this information in one way or another uh, had been provided to President-elect Trump, that's when this became, oh, this is something that we need to report on. I, I have never been involved in a – and I, you know, I've broken a bunch of stories. Um, I, I have never been involved in an effort that was this diligent I mean, I've never, you know, it was me, Jim Sciutto, Evan Perez, and Carl Bernstein. Um, We had repeated conference calls. We had repeated uh, discussions. Um, This was sourced over several days by many, many people. This was not just phone call reporting. This was shoe leather reporting. This was going to people's houses and talking to them. This was, um, these were not sources of like a cousin of a friend of a, Source this was going to sources um and we you know i 've never been involved in an, in an effort this diligent, and to this moment there's not been one thing that we have reported that anybody has challenged uh in a factual basis that that that, that they were right and we were wrong not one word has been uh, everything has been proven to be true from what clapper has said and what Vice President Biden has said. the story is still
0: solid you you were telling me that uh, before we began this, that you even wrote out yourself the the banners that oh, CNN yeah. puts across the screen, what were the chirons as we call them?
2: Yeah, you you know yes exactly. Well, you know this from CBS. Uh, we at CNN, since we're on 24/7, uh, experienced the pain of this more more than uh, than a network news organization um, just because we're on more. But like a bad banner can undermine a lot of things. Um, I had a bad banner on my show a few weeks ago. I wasn't even on, but I had to get involved because it was a, there was a bad banner. Um, and, um, you know, a lot of times, uh, dirty little secret, uh, these banners are written by producers who are 25 26 years old uh,
0: and um, maybe just don't have the experience of and they're hearing something on the air and they're trying to uh, yeah. codify it to shorten it into six or eight words and then it pops up on the screen it pops up on the screen and you're like what get that off
2: <laughs> uh, that happens and uh, and it, it's you know it's 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 usually uh, almost always not with ill intention uh, but but you know they're just trying to write something that will make people who are flipping around say, oh, what's this? And then and, and watch. So we, we went through and this is not so unusual, but 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 I've never seen this dil- the diligence to this degree. We went through to make sure that the banners were written ahead of time so that when this story broke, there was no freelancing. Here are the banners that we're using. Um, and we went back and forth. I mean, we, this, this, the line editing on the story and, and the script writing on the story was diligent. I've never been a part of anything this precise. And in fact, uh, CNN, I, 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 I'm pretty sure in the, in the day or two, and I don't even know, I think since, we haven't really had major discussions about this story other than with the reporters who broke the story because it's so important to have all the facts right. This isn't something that we've like thrown and let just a a general panel of, you know, pundits off the street have at because it is is such a sensitive story and you need to be right. Let's uh, bring in Andrew.
1: Jake, it's great to have you here. Thanks, Bob. Um, With this story, clearly the threshold at BuzzFeed for publishing was lower. But as you said before, and not to pick on Ben Smith, who we all respect and think is a terrific editor, th- there's a new digital landscape out there, and maybe the threshold in this new digital landscape is lower for publishing this stuff. I mean, do you see evidence of that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of this has started with um, with Gawker and what Gawker did. You know, if it's true, then, or if it's true or we think it's true, or if it exists, then run with it. Uh, and that's just a different standard. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, it's probably not fair to attack Gawker because it doesn't really exist anymore um, because it was sued because of what it did. Um, but, you know, those are just not the the journalistic rules that, that I adhere to. I mean, just just because somebody is gay uh, doesn't mean, in my view, that I have a right to out that person, um, even if I am 100 percent certain uh, that that person is gay. I mean, Uh, We all might remember a few years ago, uh, I think it was Gawker, did a story about the brother of somebody famous uh, and powerful who was gay uh, and allegedly involved in something. And and, I mean, that's not news. That's just prurience. And I think Gawker, I should also say, has done some very solid journalism. But when you – just if it if it exists, its news is just not a philosophy that I subscribe to, and I think it undermines journalism. And look, we're all in a horrible place right now in terms of the public trust of us in the media, um, and we need to rebuild it. Uh, and well, I found this dossier, and so I'll let the public decide whether or not it's true. Is not that's not that hurts. It undermines all of us. It undermines BuzzFeed. It undermines CNN. It undermines CBS. It undermines all of us.
1: Let me ask you about where we are now. We are in a difficult place with fake news and misinformation floating everywhere. And we do need to rebuild the public trust. Do you view this as actually a national security issue? Fake news? Yeah.
2: It's such a uh, complicated—I consider it a very serious issue. I mean— Look, one of the most hideous examples of fake news, and but let me define what I think is fake news. Fake news yeah. is completely invented out of nowhere, based on nothing, made up, put out there uh, just for whatever reason, for clicks or for trouble, for you know, to create trouble, for meddling, maybe even a foreign government or foreign trolls made it up. Who knows? The best example is Pizzagate, which is this insane, delusional theory. Uh, that there was a satanic child pedophile sex ring uh, uh, at a local pizza parlor, uh, Comet Pizza in Washington, D.C., um, and that Hillary Clinton and her team were part of it and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, this popped up on a whole bunch of like insane websites I'd never heard of uh, and – you know, uh, not without Comet attached to it, without the pizza parlor attached to it, the National Security Advisor, Mike Flynn, retweeted one story. This was one uh, claiming that like they had, the FBI had found evidence of this satanic pedophile ring, or maybe it was just a pedophile ring without the satanism, uh, on Anthony Weiner's computer. Uh, and, uh, I mean, Mike Flynn, the National Security Advisor, retweeted this, General Flynn. Uh, his son was out there, Mikey Flynn, who... Uh, uh, they had put in for a security clearance for him, pushing this story, uh, the comet with the comet related. That to me is dangerous, uh, and we saw it be dangerous when somebody with a, a few guns walked into Comet uh, looking for these dungeons or whatever. Um, that to me is very dangerous. Is it a national security issue? Issue. I don't know if he's if it's risen to that uh, yet, but but um, but it's but it's certainly. Um, I mean, I, I I'm so relieved that. That that story didn't end with either that deluded man or even worse, one of the innocent families just enjoying pizza at this like neighborhood pizza parlor that does not have any basements um, dead. I mean that that very easily could have happened that that man who read that story walks into the place with guns because he's legitimately concerned because he believes this stuff and he ends up dead because – he just does this incredibly dangerous thing.
1: Does it make misinformation, fake news, and fake news as you define it, does it make it harder for policymakers to make policy?
2: I think it does because, uh, you know, to be candid, President elect Trump and his team have embraced fake news. I mean, uh, starting with, uh, as a candidate, starting with his, and he still apparently thinks this is true, that there, this claim, and there's no evidence of it, that there were thousands of Muslims in New Jersey celebrating 9/11 that day. I mean, there's just, just no evidence of it. None. I mean, thankfully, that didn't end up, as far as we know, resulting in somebody taking matters into their own hands and doing something in New Jersey. But, yeah. I mean, look. I mean, this is a guy, the president-elect, who who was talking about how Ted Cruz's father may have played a role in the Kennedy assassination. I'm bringing up. Uh, Bob's first big scoop, his uh, his uh, interview with uh, Marina Oswald. Is that who it was? Yeah, Marie. Um, yeah, uh, you you didn't see uh, uh, Rafael Cruz anywhere didn't around see there. Him there. No, yeah. So <laughs> the, there we have the expert. Uh, you and Jim Lair will bring you in to have a discussion about whether or not Rafael Cruz was around. But I mean, this is that he embraces fake news. He cites the National Enquirer as a source, um, and uh, so yeah, it's 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 very difficult. And also, what's difficult is. There are all these very important policies going on, and cabinet officials being confirmed, and things that are going to change about the United States for good or for ill. Whatever your feelings, uh, just policy things about trade and international relations, and tax code, and everything, and and a lot of this other stuff. Um, you know, you can say it's a distraction, but if it's coming from the presidential act, is it? It's not the same thing as you know. Chuck Todd used to refer to cable catnip, and. Um, Mark Halpern used to talk about the freak show just the weird stories that would pop up during a campaign that are kind of like silly and like, you know, it's not consequential, but everybody uh, runs to it. Um, this is a different level because we have the president-elect elevating it. It's not just some, you know, state senator somewhere saying something outrageous or, you know, somebody's daughter doing something silly. I mean, this is elevation. So is do you cover it? Do you not cover it? How do
0: you cover it? Uh, it makes it very challenging. Let's go back to the uh, president-elect's uh, news conference. I mean, he really came down hard on CNN. And when your reporter, Jim Acosta, uh, tried to ask him a question, he said no. Uh, and they, they got into a, a row there. Uh, is this a preview of things to come? I think so. And, and I think that—look,
2: um, I mean, first of all, let me just say that—and I'm not comparing the two. But there were times during the Obama administration— and again, I'm not making this equ- – um, I don't want anyone to say you're doing false equivalents. I'm not saying they're equivalent. But the Obama administration declared war on Fox News. Uh, and there were a number of times when people in the press corps like me stood up for Fox News, whether it was Major Garrett at the time, who's now with CBS but was then at Fox News, or Ed Henry or whomever, James Rosen. Um, and there were a number of us who did stand up for Fox News. Not because we liked them necessarily, although Major's a friend of mine, but not because um, we approved of everything on their air, uh, but because it was not a good precedent to set and not appropriate for a White House to say, this credentialed media organization is not real, we're not going to take it seriously. Um, it's important for us to stick together, all of us, in this. Not You don't have to defend the behavior of a media organization if you think they're being irresponsible, but the basic norms of... You know, a politician attacks a media organization and then doesn't let a reporter from that media organization ask a question or probe further, that's inappropriate. And the press court needs to band together on this because today it's CNN, but tomorrow it's CBS, and the day after that it's NBC. And, you know, we've seen that ultimately uh, there are going to be attacks on, on almost all of us. Um, I mean, Donald Trump was perfectly willing to attack Megyn Kelly uh, several times, uh, who's no longer with Fox, of course. But it's important for us to stand together on this. And I, I thought that what presidents like Trump did was um, – I thought he should have at least if – you, if you're going to say something like that about, about a, a media organization, then let the media organization at least ask a question. And perhaps more importantly, he was conflating – what we did, CNN, with what BuzzFeed did, um, I don't know if he was doing that because he'd been misinformed, that he was told that we had printed the memos, the original memos, or referred to them in any detail, which we did not, or if um, he – or if he was purposely conflating, purposely misstating what we did so as to distract from all of it. Um, but uh, that was that was distressing. And, yeah, I think it's a preview of what's to come. I think a lot of it's not going to happen in front of the cameras. I think there's going to be a lot of blackballing. Uh, and, I mean, I hope I'm wrong. This is just my feeling. Uh, but I, I, I suspect there's going to be a lot of blackballing and and uh, and and bullying, um, some of it just the same way that the Obama administration, the Bush administration, Clinton, et cetera, did behind the scenes, but maybe some of it even tougher.
0: You know, I, I have always had uh, this role, and— uh, and when people ask me, you know, what is the most secretive and manipulative administration you covered in all your years in Washington, and I always said uh, the current one because they always every they administration worse. learns from the previous one, and yeah. uh, uh, they figure out how to. And and it I've never seen anybody that said, okay, we're going to be more open. It, it becomes more more closed. It becomes more more structured. Uh, this. This administration, I have to say, I mean, it's, <laughs> there is no template I mean, for what we've observed from them so far. I think it's really impossible to know uh, how this is coming down. But I think, I think what you're talking about here, I think, uh, is uh, something we're all going to have to be, be dealing with here. And remember,
2: the Obama administration has used the Espionage Act more than all other administrations yes. combined – to go after leaks to reporters. Uh, that's just a fact. And that's a fact that I brought up any number of times in the White House press room and uh, at, at, uh, on air. Um, and if, you know, you talk about how they keep getting worse. This is also one of the reasons why it bothers me so much when I see, um, you know, the night that BuzzFeed printed this stuff, this uncorroborated material, there were also a number of BuzzFeed reporters uh, it was the night of Obama's farewell, and there were also a number of Buzzfeed reporters and editors online talking about how they were crying watching Obama's speech. Now, I'm sorry. I mean, I can appreciate uh, the historic moment of the Obama presidency, but I think Bob, you and I are, are, you know, we're cynical SOBs. We don't get emotional about this kind of stuff. I mean, we can get emotional about Sandy Hook or or about a, a, a you know a, a warrior being being. Uh, being injured or that sort of thing. You but could like,
1: get emotional about Joe Biden getting the Medal of Honor. That's. I think that's the one acceptable thing. I didn't.
2: <laughs> I mean, you know, Joe Biden is a is a you know he's a likable guy and all that. I'm sorry, I didn't choke up. It's just not sure. my nature. I just didn't.
1: And you're not supposed to. You're I, supposed I, to be a journalist. I have to
0: confess, nor did I. Yeah. And and I've known Biden for years. And uh,
2: yeah, I mean, I'm and, like him. I'm so and, you know like Bo, him a lot. The loss of Beau Biden that moves me a lot. Yes. Sure. Beau was a really good guy. But but. No, I actually, I'm sorry. We were actually sitting around. We were preparing for the town hall and we were making jokes about not about Biden or Obama, but about because um, uh, he got the, the Medal of Freedom with distinction, right? The Medal of Freedom with distinction. That's, the high, that's not just the highest civilian honor, but the highest, highest civilian honor. Yeah. And we were making fun of what's the decision like when you're trying to decide whether or not to give Bob for the Medal of Freedom or the Medal of Freedom with distinction. You know, hmm, nah, yeah, nah, just give them the regular, give, just give them the regular metal freedom. That, that's, that's, because we're just, because we're just cynical and that's how we're supposed to be.
0: Well, right. I- I- there's also this. Sure. I mean, once you become president or vice president, what does any... What does any award mean? I know, seriously. You're already the president. You're already the vice president. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, so, so someone's going to give you an award. I mean, uh, I, I think it's sweet. I think it was a nice gesture yeah, sure. for the president to do. But uh, I think it is in some – keeping it in some context there. Let me ask you this question, uh, Jake, to see how 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 do we handle this. You know – uh, we're in this. The Oxford uh, English Dictionary has chosen the word their word of the year is post truth.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, we've heard some of the Trump uh, surrogates actually say that really the truth doesn't matter anymore. It's 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 what he meant. We we heard uh, that. Yeah. You don't all, go by his
2: words. Go by what's in his heart.
0: And yeah. that and that the the mistake we made is that we took him literally during the campaign. And I, I can't remember which reporter it was, but the one who said—and I think it's one of the most important things said in the campaign—that uh, those of us in in the media uh, took him seriously. I mean, took him literally, but sometimes not seriously. His supporters took him seriously, but sometimes not not literally. Yeah, so, Selena Zito
2: came up with that. She's great. So how yeah.
0: do we how do we handle that uh, when we hear a statement from people in the administration? We know it's false. Do we put in there, but I don't think he really meant it? No. This is the one we do, we think he didn't really mean No, that?
2: I don't think it's incumbent upon us, I know you know the answer to this question, I don't think it's incumbent upon us to adjust our standards uh, or lower our standards in terms of what facts are and what the truth are. The truth is uh, to accommodate some notion of post-truth, post-facts. There are facts and there are truth. I think to a degree, it matters when they're not telling the truth, but it doesn't matter if they ever acknowledge it. I think that's, I think that's where we need We don't need to um, Anderson asked me last night, you know, now that our story has been proven true, uh, Kellyanne Conway went on his show the night before and made a whole bunch of allegations that were just demonstrably false. CNN, she said, in our CNN.com story about this intelligence uh, matter, linked to BuzzFeed. No we didn't. It's not true. It's not true. We never did. We linked to a CNN.com story about what Buzzfeed did because it was very criticized, and everybody was writing stories about the journalistic propriety or impropriety of it. Uh, but n- never did we link to it. The moment that Buzzfeed did this, CNN sent out an alert. I know CBS does the same kind of thing: do not link to it, do not refer to the details, do not like just telling the entire staff of CNN work: do not touch this. Um, she said this, it's not true. She's never going to acknowledge that, that when she said that, now I don't know if she thought it to be true or not when she said it, but she's never going to acknowledge that it wasn't true. That's just, she's never going to do it. They just don't acknowledge it. Um, but we just have to make it clear what is true, what is not true. And this is why it's so important that we in the media – keep our credibility or try to regain our credibility by not crying on Twitter when Obama's giving a speech as the BuzzFeed people were doing the same, like within the same few hours of their releasing that, that uh, series of memos, um, by being impartial, by not weighing in emotionally on, on Twitter and every single thing that happens. We need to be a beacon of what is true and what is not true, whoever it helps or hurts, uh, you know, if we get an embarrassing inf- uh, information about Chuck Schumer, we need to. You know, I, I just picked a Democrat. Um, I have no evidence that Chuck Schumer has done anything embarrassing. Um, but uh, we need to do that. I mean, and 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 if we don't understand that, um, then we undermine ourselves.
1: I want to go back to something you were talking about before: sticking up for Fox in the in the White House briefing room, media banding together when. Barack Obama first um, took office, there was a lot of noise about, you know, you can't give a question to a reporter from The Huffington Post. You yeah. can't give a question to the reporter from BuzzFeed. Well, what happens now when you may be giving a question to Breitbart? And does Oh, the, he will. He will. And what, what does the mainstream media do with Breitbart?
2: Well, I mean, Breitbart, for instance— um,
1: Or other people like Breitbart.
2: I, let me just also say— Breitbart publishes a lot of stuff that I don't like. Breitbart also publishes journalism. They do. I mean, uh, Brandon Darby is down at the Texas border writing about the drug wars in Mexico, and it's solid journalism. Um, Charlie Spearling, who is a Breitbart White House correspondent, is a good White House correspondent. He's he's perfectly fine. He's perfectly in the mainstream. I think that look. I mean, the Weekly Standard has been a credentialed media or, uh, media organization at the White House, and has been doing um, pool reports and the like. Has been part of the rotation as long as they are doing their job. As long as there are actual reporters that are part of that, uh, I don't have a problem with it. I think we need to. I think we need to acknowledge that. Uh, and um, again, I don't like a lot of what Breitbart does. I mean, they attack me all the time. Um, but by the same token. I, I recognize that that they do a lot of solid journalism. And I think that we just need to adhere to uh, the basic idea that uh, of innocence until proven guilty. And if somebody is a decent reporter and somebody is doing their job, then we just have to respect that. If they have been credentialed, accepted by the White House Correspondents Association, they're doing pool reports, they have a seat. I don't I don't personally have a problem with that.
1: So, so, Jake, you can separate um, – One journalist's professionalism and ability to report and be fair with the news organization itself. I mean,
2: look. Here's the thing. It's not up to me. I mean, the White House Correspondents' Association has a credentialing process, uh, and if somebody's been accepted by the White House Correspondents' Association, an organization or a reporter, I'm not going to protest it. Again, there's a lot of stuff out there that I don't like Uh, on all the channels and all the newspapers and in all the publications um there's a lot of great journalism all over the place and there's a lot of not so great journalism and then there's a lot of stuff that i think is damaging i mean i've told you just in this conversation that i think Buzzfeed does a lot of great work and i've also been very tough on a decisions they, decision they made and uh, you know i could say the same about any number of organizations um, I, it's just i don't think it's up to me i mean if the white house correspondence association makes that decision then I think then, you know, I, I respect that. I'm a member of the White House Correspondents Association. I respect the decision. I think what's important is that we band together to make sure that we are all um, adhering to, 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 that we're sticking together when, when the government declares war on us. And like I said, look, me standing up for Major Garrett or for Fox News when, when, when the White House was saying, this is not a news organization, um, is not me sticking up for something crazy that somebody said on Fox News in primetime, which certainly happened. My problem is, instead of the Obama White House saying, we really took issue with what Anchor X said, and we are not going to do anything with that show, and that's embarrassing, and da-da-da, they just made an attempt to say an entire, like hundreds of people were not legitimate reporters. And I know plenty of people at Fox who are legitimate reporters. Chris Wallace is legitimate. Brett Baer is legitimate. Indeed. I could
1: go James Rosen is I mean, there are plenty of them, not to mention producers I know. Um, James Rosen is a great friend of mine. And I think you've really actually hit the nail on the head here. And this is a really important thing for people to understand. We here at CSIS, we work with Breitbart reporters all the time too, legitimate ones. And, you know, I think it's going to be more incumbent on policymakers and the American people to really discern what their news is and who they're getting it from and who they trust. I think you hit it. You know, you said it very made a very important point.
2: I don't again. I don't care for Breitbart. It's not. I'm just talking about my personal choice. But I have read excellent journalism in Breitbart. Like like I mentioned, Charlie Spearling and and uh, and Brandon Darby, I think, are 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 great reporters. Um, So. You know, the, the point is the attempt to wipe out an entire news organization. Donald Trump wasn't taking issue with Jim Acosta because of something Jim Acosta had reported. Jim Acosta didn't break that story. Jim Sciutto, me, Evan Perez, and Carl Bernstein did. This was Donald Trump, President-elect Trump, attempting to discredit an entire organization, thousands of people, because he didn't like one story. Or maybe he didn't like a lot of stories, but he didn't like it. And so, uh, so, so he was just trying to wipe off the face of the earth— uh, uh one c n n through Jim Acosta, and this is what, to a much lesser degree i you know again I'm not saying it's equivalent, but this is what I resisted when the Obama White House tried to do the same thing to Fox News. They don't like some coverage, therefore they attempt to discredit the entire organization um it's we have to band together against it. Do I think enough reporters? Stuck up, stuck up for Fox. Probably not. Probably not. But um, I know that I that when they named James Rosen in that indictment uh, because of a story uh, he reported, um, I did a segment on my show when the State Department went after him and it turned out he was telling the truth. uh, I did a segment on my show. I stood up for him and got a lot of heat from the left when I have referred to Fox News as our sister organization. And here's a little you want a little scoop. Uh, my son had just been born a week before and I hadn't slept in a week. So I probably wouldn't use the term sister organization. (laughs) If I had slept, I probably would just say like a fellow member, credentialed member of the White House Correspondents Association. But I was grasping at words. You you guys have kids. You know what I'm talking about. But but, uh, at the end of the day, like we need to stand up for each other. And uh, it's been nice to see people like Shep Smith uh, on Fox stand up for us. Uh, It's also been distressing to see other people on Fox say things like, oh, payback is a bitch. Uh, which Neil Cavuto said. And I like Neil a lot, and uh, I was really disappointed that he did that. Really disappointed.
0: Let me just ask you about one thing. So now Fox is, uh, you know, Trump is coming down hard on you. But throughout the campaign, there were people that took the absolute opposite uh, attitude toward, toward CNN. And, and there were some who said CNN elected Donald Trump <laughs> because you gave him so much airtime. Yeah. Talk about that. Well, I think it is true that, especially
2: in 2015, when he announced and the Trump phenomenon started to happen, and he was filling these arenas with thousands and thousands of people, and other people, other candidates were not. I think it is true that, and Jeff Zucker has acknowledged as much, that CNN ran too many of these rallies unedited, start to finish, uh, without fact checking, et cetera. I, I think it's true. I think MSNBC did the same thing. I think Fox News did the same thing. CNN has been the only one that I know of that has acknowledged that 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 was a mistake. By the same token, I think that we have provided uh, some of the toughest coverage of him and did some of the toughest interviews with him. I did the interview about Judge Curiel with him. I did the interview about the KKK with him uh, in our very first interview, uh, in, which was in June or July of 2015. I wore a Trump tie to the interview to show him that it had been made in China. Um, I mean – and let me say also, he generally speaking until he entered the general election, he was willing to do the give and take and he was willing to do it in in the spirit uh, in which it was intended. We challenge him. He responds and there's a good give and take. And actually, uh, I gave him credit at the time for being willing to put himself in that position
0: more than anyone. Well, I mean, and in CNN's defense, I mean, this was big news. Suddenly yeah. this guy comes out of nowhere and he's getting thousands of people to come out to hear hear what he has to say. Uh, he's calling in. I asked Mika Brzezinski uh, one time, why is it that uh, you guys let uh, Trump call in on the phone? Why don't you get uh, Hillary Clinton, and she said, "Getting Hillary Clinton is like getting an interview with Mother Teresa." Yeah, you know, it was virtually impossible because the Clinton campaign was running by the old rules: control the control the the dialogue, don't put your your candidate uh, in a place where they might get a question that they don't know the answer to or that they're not prepared for. Uh, control that very carefully, and while all that was happening, Trump was just going out and getting himself on television. He, yeah, first of all, we did take call-ins from people who were not
2: Donald Trump uh, when they started to realize that it was a smart thing to do. I took a call-in from Bobby Jindal. I took a call-in from Hillary Clinton, more than one, I think. I think I took a call-in from John Kasich. I mean, we were willing to do it. As you know, they were not willing to, to call in and do the interviews. when you I launched, Or appear. Or appear. When I launched State of the Union, in june 2015 you know you always want a big guest for your for your first show uh and then for your last as you got i remember uh you had like a hundred big guests for your last show um who did you have you had like every president every living president
0: <laughs> well i had i think i had uh, george bush and uh, and barack obama yeah i don't know if that was the very last one no, but we were getting close uh, to uh, that. not bad yeah.
2: anyway um but my only point is my, my ask, my offer, again, I, I've never said this publicly either. My offer was to Jeb Bush, to Marco Rubio, and to Hillary Clinton. The campaign hadn't even really started yet, so we had no idea who was going to be. But we all knew Hillary Clinton was going to be the frontrunner in the Democratic nomination. We all thought Jeb Bush, wrongly, was going to be the frontrunner. And uh, I had a relationship with, with Marco Rubio, and I think a lot of people thought Rubio might be a contender, too. I offered those three, each one of them, one after the other. Come on my show. I'll give you the whole hour. I'll give you the whole hour. We'll, talk, we'll tell your life story. You know, we'll tell, Jeb Bush, we'll tell why did you go to Mexico? Tell us about meeting Columba. You know, Marco Rubio, tell me about your parents' history coming from – I mean the whole thing, all the stuff that Hillary Clinton was grasping at straws to make sure the American people knew about during her convention about the Children's Defense Fund and this and that. We'll tell your story. Yes, there are going to be questions in there that you don't like. Yes, there are going to be some adversarial moments. But I want to give you the whole hour. All of them turned it down, every one of them. And it was like pulling teeth to get a lot of these people on air Uh, because, as you know, they all thought that the old formula worked. Only do Sunday shows every now and then, only when you have news to announce, only in seven minute spurts, um, you know, seldom in person, usually by satellite. And Donald Trump would do it all the time. And he would take tough questions and then he would come back. I challenged him about, you really weren't talking about menstruation when you're talking about blood coming out of Megan Kelly's what wherever you weren't? He goes, no. I mean, that's a question that he would not take today, and then he would call me fake news and whatever. But he took it back then. I think that helped him. I think his willingness to get in the mix and engage helped him. I don't like their press strategy now, but I think they had a different one then that I think worked to them. And as long as we were asking tough questions... Uh, I, I, I didn't understand the complaints other than the airing the rallies as we did.
0: I mean, I think uh, to follow on what you're saying here, I think uh, Trump's strategy worked. I think Trump got the Republican nomination before the other candidates actually were taking him seriously.
2: Oh, how about this? The second presidential debate, which I moderated at the Reagan Library in Simi Valley, I knew I had been saying this guy is real. And he at that point he was at the top of the polls, but I said this is not Herman Cain. This is gonna this he's he's on to something here. Uh, my first question was Carly Fiorina. Don, you know, uh, Bobby Jindal said that that he would be very nervous about Donald Trump um, with his hand on the nuclear codes. Bobby Jindal didn't make the cut. He was in the in the other debate, um, the the undercard. Uh, what do you think? And she whiffed. She wouldn't, she wouldn't take him on. And then um, Trump responded, started <laughs> yelling about how Rand Paul shouldn't even be on the stage and other stuff like that. And then I went to Jeb Bush. What about you? Do you think that Donald Trump has a temperament to be president, that do you trust his hands on the nuclear codes? Again, that's up to the American people to decide. That I was like, Trump's going to be the nominee. These people do not even understand that they, they need to take him on directly, that he is projecting this alpha image that a lot of Republicans responded to, and they're, they're wimping out. I mean, Carly Fiorina later on said something in that debate, but generally speaking, by the, time, any, by the time they realized what they were dealing with, it was too late, and then when they switched and started attacking him, they looked
0: desperate. Jay Kapper. Well, you're going to have your hands full oh this year, God. and you're, you're already uh, off and running here, so all the best to you. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's Andrew Schwartz, this is Bob Schieffer. Thanks for listening.
1: But that's not all, Bob. At the top of this podcast, we gave you just a tease of the great music from my friend Aaron Neville's new record, Apache. Let's hear some more from Aaron Neville.
3: Earthquakes And hurricanes Forest fires Mudslides Torrential rain Heat waves Floods and blizzards melting of polar ice And if all that's not bad enough Humans just won't play nice There's so much beyond our control But the things we do We surely take toll like people committing suicide Just to take unsuspecting, innocent lives Like media's falling from the skies Politicians telling lies Like Marvin said, oil spilled all over our oceans and our seas I agree with him for saying mercy, mercy me And want to know what's going on I'd like to know where the love has gone All over these united, divided states, there's still so much fear, so much hate. Will we ever get it together on this earth? We're all sisters and brothers. Like Martin said, we better live together as brothers and sisters, or die together as fools. Stop filling our hearts with hatred, breaking all the rules the high ups on the animal chain sometimes we just don't use our brains most animals kill for food man kills in his neighborhood nuclear threats all over the land man wants to annihilate other man the tears for fear say. everybody wants to rule the world But it belongs to every woman, man, boy, and girl See, we all have our right like to share this land It don't just belong to one man I don't have all the answers I don't think anybody does If there was a cure for cancer and a whole lot more love I'll say a prayer before I go to sleep God for all our souls to keep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. A fragile, fragile world. That's all we got, y'all. I just want to say peace on earth and goodwill to everything and everybody on this one and only planet. Yeah, you're right.